This episode of the MedTalk podcast is brought to you by MedTech Innovation Expo, the UK and Ireland's leading event for medical device manufacturing. On the 7th and 8th of June, MedTech Innovation Expo will connect leading engineers, innovators and manufacturers with all the technology and innovation they need to facilitate the design and manufacture of life-changing medical devices. For more information, visit www.medtechexpo.com. Hello and welcome to this episode of the MedTalk podcast, discussing the latest news and issues in life sciences. I'm Ian Bolland, Acting Group Editor of MedTech Innovation and Medical Plastics News. On this episode, I'm joined by Zilla Anderson from Faculty AI, as we discuss the use of data in healthcare, how AI can be used for good, the developments of a COVID-19 NHS early warning system, and what 2023 has in store in this space. Zilla, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Can you just, first of all, give our audience a little bit of insight into yourself and what it is you do? Hi, uh, thank you for having me. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. So I have a background in healthcare policy, healthcare service design, and in the operational delivery of healthcare services. Um, and I've had the pleasure of working as part of a range of NHS organisations, um, including GP practices, NHS hospitals, um, NHS England and the Department of Health and Social Care. Um, so I guess how I ended up working in healthcare technology, um, there's no doubt the UK healthcare system plays a key role in all of our lives, um, be it for ourselves and those that we love. And therefore, it's no surprise that the current pressures on all of our healthcare services and the essential staff that work within it is something that's a passion and, and really concerns us all. So for me, the shift from working in kind of service design into healthcare technology came when that persistent capacity and financial challenge faced by a healthcare system that was only exacerbated by COVID-19 um, made it clear that there were kind of were opportunities to do something differently. And I guess this coupled with the evident growth of data generated by healthcare systems. Mm-hmm. There's now around 50 times more data available to people in 2022 than there was in 2011. Um, and healthcare is no exception. And obviously the clear examples of AI being used for good in other industries led me to my current current focus and passion, which is kind of designing and developing AI technologies that can make a real difference to operational decision makers within the NHS. Um, and that is very much the the use of operator information for operational decision making, I guess, as opposed to using AI for clinical, clinical diagnosis and, and the reading of x-rays and things like that. Um, so I guess, yeah, to bring that to life for you, um, for me, it's really about working with healthcare organisations and leaders within healthcare systems to help them use their data to help them make better decisions in the design and delivery of services that makes a real difference for patients and the staff that run those services. I just want to pick up on one thing that you mentioned within your answer there, and it's about how, how AI has been used in other industries for good. How, can you give us a couple of examples of how AI may have been repurposed from other industries into the healthcare setting or how it can be repurposed in, in such a way? Yeah, so AI is, um, well, I guess machine learning and AI is about understanding patterns within data and using that to un- have a greater understanding and therefore kind of 
automate processes where possible and, and help inform human decision making. That's really, really powerful in things like supply chains, when you need to really understand lots of really s- small pieces of information across a whole load of different um, decision points and a whole load of different um, interfaces and the ability to bring all that information together into one place to make a simple forecast and or generate a sim- simple suggestion is something that is really, really powerful when you're trying to run what is effectively a hospital where minute by minute decisions are being made on how to optimise your your services. So you've got patients coming in the door, you've got patients that exist in the hospital, you've got patients who've been waiting for things. How can you make sure you are understanding all the information that you have in the best way possible to make the best decision on behalf of that patient and the other patients that are using the service? Entries are now open for this year's MedTech Innovation Award categories, which seeks to celebrate the vital work of the medical device engineering community. Taking place alongside the prestigious MediLink UK Healthcare Business Awards on the 7th of June, MedTech Innovation Awards are open to submissions across six categories, 3D printing, connected health, design, manufacturing excellence, materials innovation and sustainability. For more information, visit medtechawards.com. So, can I uh, come on to um, the uh, the COVID nineteen NHS early warning system? Uh, because I think this is probably one of the examples of something that has been developed, you know, surrounding COVID that is probably going to have purpose going forward as well. If that is the case, can you explain how uh, how the NHS can still take advantage of such such technology? Yeah, so the COVID early warning system was born out of extreme need at the time, um, obviously forecasting the prevalence of COVID nationally um, and understanding where there was going to be need for critical resource, critical finite resources um, became a real challenge. So the COVID warning system integrated multiple data sources, so Google and Apple mobility data, hospital situation data, wastewater data, and test and trace COVID testing data to give a a forward view of the prevalence of COVID um, infection rates up to three weeks in advance, down to kind of a local city and and local um, organisational level. That therefore allowed, at a national level, decisions to be taken about where you might want to distribute critical assets such as ventilators, move staff around to make sure there was staff to support patients that might be coming in, and also in certain cases, move around patients that were stable to make sure there were spare beds for those that might need, um, that were showing prevalence of COVID. That in itself is a forecasting model. Um, that's the the COVID early warning system is a, is a use case for a forecasting model. That forecasting model is really powerful in a whole host of situations. So it's already been leveraged by the NHS to forecast A and E um, attendances and A and E admissions. So to understand how many patients are going to turn up at your front door and require a hospital bed on a daily basis and up to three weeks out and also understands what's driving that forecast. So what are the variables that are meaning that, that um, those attendance figures are going are gonna to occur? So that allows you as an organisation to start to plan better. It allows you to know what sorts of people are going to be coming in and, um, and therefore what support, care support they're going to need. It allows you to know whether that's higher than planned and therefore do you need to do something differently in terms of staffing your hospital or adjusting your bed base. And then it also allows you not only to plan your emergency care better, it allows you to plan your elective care 
better with confidence. So if you know who's how many people are coming in the door next week, it gives you confidence as to whether or not you're able to continue with your operating lists, which is obviously another great concern within the NHS for making sure that we're able to maximise those, um, those operations because the waiting list is continuing to grow. So that's just one example of leveraging these complex forecasting models, which can be really powerful in business as usual um, healthcare delivery. You segue in nicely into that it, it can be used for uh, prioritising care, but patients with the greatest need get in the most urgent care at, at the time they need and possibly suggesting that this could be used as a way to pivot um, from a more, how can I put it, more reactive strategy that the health service is probably currently undertaking to a more preventative strategy and getting people to look after their their health a lot more because they've got this vast amount of data at their disposal but it also keeps keeping people out of hospitals as well so they can be monitored remotely i mean i mean yeah so ai is 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 definitely capable of supporting with the prevention agenda um i guess the model we just talked about is about forecasting who's going to turn up and it and it's we've talked about a three-week time horizon so you definitely could stretch that out further and and plan at a, a longer time horizon but i think the technology we're talking about for that model is is definitely most applicable for shorter term kind of planning yeah. um however there are definitely different other types of um machine learning and ai techniques that can be really helpful um within that prevention agenda um so for example if you're looking at risk stratifying patients so understanding the types of individual that may be at risk of harm be that they're on the waiting list and they are demonstrating certain um, characteristics which suggests that their healthcare is deteriorating or that they might be a certain individual with a certain condition that means they would really really benefit from from moving up the list there's kind of ai modeling can support you with that there's also um for a prevent public health agenda there's the ability to understand the types of individuals that are most at risk for certain um, acute conditions such as um, cancer and, and other sort of tumour prevalence and if you're able to understand the types of individuals that may be at risk you're able to then tailor your public health initiatives to target those individuals so currently a lot of our public health initiatives are planned around age barriers and or some kind of socioeconomic variables which we know to have an influence on whether or not someone is at risk but there is now a whole suite of further information that could be much more powerful if applied included within those variables to help us start to identify individuals at risk and therefore tailor our public health measures to try and prevent have earlier intervention and prevent that onset of care you're quite unique position i would say in that you 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 work closely with the, the NHS when it, when it comes to adopting AI, AI technologies. I mean, apologies if I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but um, how, how much more do you think can be done with the current AI technology that's out there? Um, well, I guess AI isn't the silver bullet um, in itself. The technology is never the silver bullet. So um, there are obviously lots of things that could be done to fine tune the existing AI technologies that are out there. But I think the main thing um, for us as an organization is actually getting these technologies out there and used and scalably used. So can we actually um, 
make sure that these A&E admissions models are connected in with hospital systems and therefore using the latest data and the models continuing to learn and they're actually producing forecasts that align with um, the hospital's um, bed base and then actually provide them the most up-to-date piece of information to make the best decision. So there's an element of refining the current models to meet the needs of the individuals and the organisations that are using them. There's also the use and adoption agenda. So actually, can we get these tools being used and actually being part of day-to-day workflows? That means staff are using these systems to the benefit of themselves and the patients on a, on a scalable manner. And actually, if you get through those two hurdles, you're then actually in a position where the organisations themselves can own and run and take these technologies on their own agenda. Like you're able then to further enhance them and build on them and, and evolve them as the organisations evolves. These AI, to, AI, to, AI tools are not meant to be static. They're meant to be, um, they're meant to grow, they're meant to learn, they're meant to evolve and continue to meet the needs of the organisation. Um, so I guess in answer to your question, there are many more tools and models that could be made without using AI to help organisations make better decisions within healthcare, but there's also a huge opportunity to leverage the existing ones um, more effectively. It, it feels like it's, when you say it's not, it's not a silver bullet, because of course there's, there's nuance to everything, and there's, and I think, depending on which part of the country you're looking at, there's probably greater need for AR to be used in, in, in one instance and in one in one setting than there is for another, and and I and I imagine that's got its own challenges as well for you as a company. If you're if you're looking both, you know, you're looking at one part of the country, they they say that they need help with A and E modeling, like you said, and then there's others with, uh, I, I don't know, you're the you're the expert on this. You've probably got a better example than me, but I imagine that there, there is that that kind of challenge to just flick a switch and, and adopt two separate things at once. That how how easy is it is it for you to adapt to that? Um, so the, the answer is very easy. So for AI to be done well, it needs to be tailored to the organisation, the decisions they're making and the staff that are using it, mm-hmm. um, both from a can make sure it's a usable piece of technology, but also making sure that it is as effective as possible and using the data and, and the, um, connecting within the organisation appropriately. Um, so that therefore means there's always there's always a bit of engagement from that perspective. Um, the AI models that underpin it, there are a whole range of of techniques that are used, lots of which have have been developed, um, and then it is about leveraging and then plugging them in. Um, and I think organisations come to us with lots of different types of problem, because with it for all the right reasons, sometimes complex forecasting for a certain organisation may not actually provide them with any information they're able to act upon. If they're not able to pull levers within their organisation to do anything differently, having a really complex forecast is just providing them information that they're not able to do anything with. Mm -hmm. So for organisations like that, they typically want to work with us to think about how they can use AI to help them forecast the needs of of a longer time horizon. So what might the needs of their, their... renal pathway be in three to five years time and therefore how do you um, model and scenario plan what that service could look like to help them commission the right service for their people um, so that's one example we also have other organizations that are have set up lots of new services which is very normal in the healthcare setting but obviously covid has accelerated that and how do they know the impact of those services and therefore how do they know if they can confidently and effectively scale them 
um, because they're having the right impact on patient outcomes. And again, AI tools and technologies can help you get underneath an agile evaluation of the impact of those services to then help you make better decisions around what types of service to commission. So there's a whole suite of ways in which these tools can be used. And whether it's in healthcare or in other industries, there's definitely a level of, of upfront tailoring and support required to enable them to be used appropriately, which means that whether healthcare organisations have different different needs and need different models, it's it's kind of par for the course in terms of, of doing this well. Uh, well, we're recording this in December, but this might be out in the new year. So I think I may as well ask you this question just to, you know, kind of bring everything together. It's uh, what what kind of uh, what kind of effect do you think that AI is going to have in twenty twenty three on on healthcare? Good question. Um, I think so. There's obviously the the narrative around AI and AI for di- like for diagnostics and and helping in that space. And I guess um, that's a field that it, that is growing, but also is is highly for the right reasons regulated and has lots of lots of hurdles to to jump over in order to help that effectively scale. I guess we're talking here about operational AI to enable operational decision-making, and there's actually no reason why these technologies can't be used scalably today. And I think for me and my experiences over the last 18, 18 months to two years is that the penny has started to drop in relation to the opportunity to use data differently um, and these more sophisticated techniques scalably to make better decisions. Um, I think what we'll start to notice is these tools will be more adopted. So rather than them being sort of, there are lots of wonderful organization-owned tools that kind of run on a laptop that are creating predictions, but they're not productionized. They're not they're not plugged into the systems and used on a day-to-day basis. Um, they're quite key person dependent. So I think we'll start to see lots of those being productionized. I think we'll see them linking with healthcare um, health record systems and become part of day-to-day working. I think the other main shift will be around integrated care systems. So they set up as organisations in July this year, became legal ent- entities. Their ambition is to manage care across a place. So that's not just hospitals, that's primary care, hospitals, community services and local authorities. So I think we'll start to see lots of more joined up data, which presents a really positive asset for organisations to start to plan longitudinally rather than organisationally. And that, again, is where some of these AI technologies are really powerful to help you really understand and spot patterns within data to forecast the needs and requirements of, of individuals to help you design and deliver services in a way um, that improves healthcare outcomes. Well, Zilla, thank you very much for joining us on the Mental podcast and giving us I don't know, a different insight into AI than we've had already. So thank you very much for your time today. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before before we go? Um no, it's been um, a pleasure to talk it through, um, and that's everything. All right, well, thank you, Zilla, and that's the Mental Talk Podcast. Thank you.